I remember Asgard. Not much, but I remember my home, my people, my life. The universe wants to break free, so it manifests chaos. Like me being born the goddess of mischief. And as soon as that created a big enough detour from the sacred timeline, the TVA showed up, erased my reality, took me prisoner. Welcome back, Popheads. This is issue 168 of the TomCast Popcast, coming to you from the Timekeeper's Chambers. My name is Tom. Thank you so much for listening to this quality, independent pop culture podcast. Please be sure to follow us on the social media, at TomCastPopCast on Twitter and Instagram. You can email the show, TomCastPopCast at gmail.com. Please be sure to like, subscribe, and share our show with all your friends, family, loved ones, enemies, Sworn blood deaths, dead blood deaths, <laughs> blood oaths, all that good stuff. Help spread the word, help us defeat the algorithm, and grow the nation of Pophead Nation. That was a really dumb sentence. But help us grow our listenership, help us spread the word about what, what kind of a ridiculous show we're running over here. That is the TomCast Popcast. We are back once again for another day of review for Loki. We're here to do Season 1, Episode 4. The Nexus Event. This one is directed by Kate Heron, written by Eric Martin, once again executive produced, and uh, supervising writer, basically, Michael Waldron on this one. And let me just tell you right now, right off the bat, I loved this episode so very, very much. Couldn't, couldn't get enough of it. I've watched it twice already. Just so much stuff to kind of pull apart. Uh, uh, and, and the show really hit a sweet spot, I think, for me with this episode, with so many different uh, elements coming together, so many different uh, uh, kind of uh, shocking, well, maybe not shocking, but like just interesting reveals, interesting turns uh, uh, in, in, in our character story, in Loki's journey, in Sylvie's journey, and, and again, reconnecting with, with Mobius, even more fun overall. Uh, so yeah, that's what we're going to get into today. Today, So I hope you've watched the episode. I hope you're ready for a spoiler-filled discussion because we are going to get into it as, I mean, almost as soon as the show starts. Like, we are not going to pull punches because we're talking about all of it. There's a lot to get into with the episode. There's a lot to talk about as far as speculation for what will come next, what could come next, and, and to, to just talk about the awesomeness of this week's show. So, really, really good. I hope you all enjoyed it. And I hope you're ready to break it down. This week, the show will be solo. Uh, hard to find, find, hard to find a co-host for today's episode. Not a lot of people uh, are watching the show on Wednesdays, at least not in my circles, which is uh, interesting and uh, unique. So, hey, if anyone wants to come on do Wednesday shows with me, let me know because, uh, yeah, you're you're welcome on board. Uh, and on that on that note, I do want to mention you. You know, usually Mark. Is my, is my man for the Marvel shows, but uh, uh, Mark went back to work this week, so I want to congratulate him on his new uh, career opportunity, and I hope he's uh, having a blast and is going smoothly, but it does mean that he will probably not be here for the Wednesday shows anymore, so that's sad news, but we wish him the best of luck in that, and he'll pop on the show eventually, you know, on, on occasions, you know, let's put it that way. 
All right, so we're going to get into it. Let's talk about Loki. I'm dying to talk about this one. It's going to be so much fun. Remember, this is episode four, The Nexus Event. And yeah, we're getting into the spoilers. And uh, spoilers and, and just crazy speculation theater. So get ready for all that. But before we get into that, we do have to thank the official members of Pophead Nation, which you can join by heading over to patreon.com forward slash TomCastPopCast. You can join the nation and get access to the bonus content. Thank you to our current Patreons, the Aspen Hill Chody, the Batman of Bay Park, Jeff Nail. Jeff is the host on The Ring and Ear. Check them out. Thanks to Evil Circle, the evilest of all circles, the Squidmaster General, Mr. Brian Broussard, the New Jersey Devil, Mark Wagamore, and our very own Joker and Holly Quinn, Brian and Krista of Pride Brewing Company, right here in San Diego and coming soon to Baltimore, Maryland. And of course, the Beer Hop Brigadier General, Jesus Beer Hops. Thank you all so much for being part of Pophead Nation and helping keep the lights on and uh, keep this show going and running smoothly and hopefully sounding better than ever with the smooth vocal stylings of your host, Tom. All right. All right. Let's do it. Let's get into Loki now. You know what to do. Sit down, buckle up, hold on to your butts, and buckle up again. Let's go. I escaped, stole a tempad, and I ran for a long, long time, which really sucked. Everywhere and everywhere I went caused a Nexus event, sent off a smoke flare because I'm not supposed to exist until eventually I figured out where to hide. And so that's where I grew up. The ends of a thousand worlds. Now, that's where I'll die. All right, yes, like I said, I was a big fan of this episode. I particularly enjoyed the way we started out the episode. It really added an interesting tone to the beginning because we, we come upon Asgard which, you know, we all remember was destroyed at the end of Thor Ragnarok, so we haven't seen Asgard in a, in a little bit. And so we come across, like, a very familiar image of it. And a, a small girl playing in in her room. And we, I think we very quickly deduce that this is a young Sylvie, a.k.a. Loki, the Loki variant, uh, in, in her timeline, in her uh, branch, if you will, of the multiverse. And she is being uh, apprehended as a small child, by the Time Variance Authority, by a hunter, a young Ravana Renslayer, who is uh, just, you know, she's not a judge yet. She's, a, 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 you know, just a hunter, and she's bringing in variants, and she has to bring in the small child that will eventually become known as Sylvie. And we, it's interesting because we see the child go through the process that we saw Loki go through in the very first episode, where she's brought back to the TVA, and she's, you know put before that person to sign off on everything she's ever said and she's put through that metal detector to prove that she's not a robot who doesn't know it's a robot and you know it it has all that familiarity that we saw our Loki put through in the very first episode Uh, but this time around we get to see we are introduced to the the cleverness the craftiness of 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 the Sylvie Loki variant uh, very early as she basically picks Renslayer's pocket takes her Timpad and creates a time door and escapes into the timeline. And that is that is um, how it goes. That is how she makes her break. That is how she's in the timeline, how she's begun to know so much about the TVA. She's been working on this her entire life. She's been out to get them ever since they destroyed her time. I would assume as a child, she probably tried to go back to her time, found that it wasn't there. There's nowhere to go back to. And then she grew up on the run, bouncing from place to place across the sacred timeline. And, and, uh, as she says in, the, in that scene, you know, every place she went to try and hide, to try and lay low, it would 
cause a nexus event that would alert the TVA to her location. So she was never able to, to settle down. She had to grow up on the run. And it wasn't until she discovered that she could uh, live in these apocalypses at the, end of the, at the end of the world, basically. So a real sad, somber note to start as, as our Loki variants uh, sit with one another upon a field on, on uh, Lamentus and basically await their fate, the end of Lamentus as, as the rocks, the moon from above, plummeting down. And they have this really kind tender moment with one another and and it's you know we, we talked about last week how sylvie was very careful about not saying too much about herself and in this opening sequence she says so much about herself and it's it's like i said it's very sad and it's very has a sort of hauntiness to it and the music they play underneath adds to that element that sadness to, to sylvie's life and and sort of we we begin to sort of understand her mission why she wants to expose the tva uh as as, as the frauds that, that she believes them to be, and that as an audience, we are beginning to believe them to be because the, the seeds were planted were doubted were, the seeds of doubt were planted for us in the last episode for sure. We had questions before at the very beginning, but you begin to see the strings for you know when we opened up on on uh, a C20s past and her memories and you're like, well what that's created? how's this person have these memories? you know so we, as an audience, we got that earlier. Now this episode is all about, is mostly well, I shouldn't say all about, it, but it's very much about Loki's attempt to our Loki, our Tom Hiddleston Loki, attempting to convince Mobius E. Mobius that the TVA is wrong, that the TVA is lying, the TVA is a fraud, and and that he Mobius and the rest of the agents are in fact variants. They are in fact people who have been abducted from the timeline and put to work for the TVA with their memories erased. And there's a really interesting sort of. Uh, boy cried wolf sort of scenario for Loki here because he's trying to convince these people he's telling them the truth and that no one will believe him Mobius will not believe him no, Mobius has doubt upon doubt about it and l- listen there are, there's definitely times where Loki in this episode lies as he's trying to give Mobius what he wants to hear so that he could try and persuade him to give them a chance um, but wow 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 and, and again ooh the levels on this episode because we also get into Mobius and how he the the hurt and betrayal he felt when Loki abandoned them at the end of episode two to go through the time door in pursuit of aka Sylvie, the other Loki variant. And we get into that a little bit and the betrayal there and the hurt that Mobius feels, believing that they were friends. And and, and Loki telling me it was a means to an end and, and oh it's just there's so much great emotion in, in the early part of this episode. Meanwhile we're dealing with the fallout of, of Renslayer, uh, you know, again, feeding Mobius more lines. The, 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 times, the timekeepers are saying this. The timekeepers are saying that. It's my head on the line here. All these bad things are happening. Do you know how hard it is to maintain the sacred timeline? All this stuff, uh, you know, kind of, kind of giving Mobius that doctrine that he has uh, so ingrained in him to, to, to kind of appease him. But he's asking questions. He wants to see uh, Hunter C-20. You know, he wants to talk with her about what she was trying to say about it's all real. And he wants to be able to interview Sylvie, but he's not allowed to. He's not allowed to. And, and later in the episode, he's given a line from Renslayer that she was doing it to protect him because uh, she was corrupting all these agents and like, like C-20, and they had to put her down. And, and that's a harsh way of saying that they, they pruned C-20. Uh, but wow, just a lot, to, a lot to parse through in this episode, and it's so really, really good. I want to go back to Lamentis and play another clip. This is shortly before the time doors open. Uh, that allow uh, allow our Lokis to escape because uh, uh, the early part of this episode is Mobius 
attempting to find them throughout the timeline. He's doing what he can to locate them. So there wasn't going to be any sort of uh, uh, unexpected sort of, uh, of of rescue. You know, no one was going to come swinging down the doors and, and, and save them on their own. It was going to be the TVA. I think we sort of batted that idea around last week. Um, so yeah, that as far as that goes, that was kind of by the book, by the numbers. And then, of course, both Lokis are, are detained and taken into custody, which is where things start to get interesting in the, in the interpersonal relationships of these characters that we've seen over the prior episodes. But I want to play this clip, this one clip between Loki and Sylvie, right before those time doors open, because I, I just, I find it so good and so fascinating. So, so check this one out. Here we go. Do you think that what makes a Loki a Loki is the fact that we're destined to lose? No. We may lose. Sometimes painfully. But we don't die. We survive. I mean, you did. You were just a child when the TVA took you, but you nearly took down the organization that claims to govern the order of time. You did it on your own. You had rings around them. You're amazing. <laughs> he loves her. And this is when they touch. We've got something. Temporal lock. Something's happening. All right, this is, this is when the end is coming. But now the TV is aware of their presence after making a physical contact with each other. And they're holding hands. And they think the end is here. But back at the TVA, interesting data. Okay, that's not someone stepping on the wrong leaf. You ever seen a branch like that? No. This is the Nexus event. But this also clues them in to the location, Lamentus One. This is how our, our, our antagonists, our protagonists, get out of the end of, of Lamentus. Two time doors open, and they are then taken into custody. And uh, it doesn't get much better for, for Loki because, uh, because, well, Mobius is hurt, and he's going to take it out. He doesn't trust Loki anymore, and, uh, you know, probably rightfully so. How can you trust Loki, right? Even though Mobius is very good at detecting his lies, uh, there has to be a penalty. Loki must pay a penalty, and it's a pretty good one. One of the things I want to mention, too, before we, before we talk about uh, where Mobius is going to send Loki in a moment is, is we have to talk about B-15 in this episode because, again, much like, the, like many of the members of the TVA, like all the members of the TVA, we didn't catch up with anybody last week. We were very focused on Loki and Sylvie's story on Lamentus. Uh, so we haven't checked in with B-15 since, uh, since episode two when, when she was enchanted at Rock's cart by Sylvie. And she's very different in this episode. You can see that she is somewhat shaken by that experience. And that, that more, comes out more later in the episode than at the beginning. But you can tell something's different with her in the beginning of the episode. And she, she tries to hide it behind like this determination to find them before they, they, they plot some more destruction along the way. Um, and I think that's probably the one interesting aspect is, is of this episode is that we didn't really talk about Loki or Sylvie's uh, bombing of the sacred timeline from, from episode two. You know, remember at the end of that episode, she opens those little mini time doors and those bombs go through to reset timelines, causing new branches and new multiverses to spin out. 
Um, and we haven't really talked about the fallout of that just yet. And so I'm very, very curious if that was, is going to be in play more next week or, or something more towards the finale of the season. Uh, because I, I thought for sure that would be something that we would see in this episode is, is sort of the TVA not just scrambling to find Loki and, and, and Sylvie, but to undo the damage that she had done by, by bombing the sacred timeline. And, and thus far, we've not seen that particular aspect followed up on. Uh, I do think it's only a matter of time, whether it's next week or, or in, the, in, our, in our final episode uh, for the season. It, 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 does, it does bear you know, some, some addressing, doesn't it? I would, I would think they will eventually talk about that. So uh, just a moment ago, I think I, I think I misspoke, and and they uh, the when when the Loki's made contact, it's being referred to as the as the Nexus Spike, which is what able was able to uh, locate them. So I want to make sure I clarified that just a little bit. So we have the Loki's in custody. Mobius sends Loki into a time loop where Lady Sif uh, uh, comes to beat up Loki. Basically, like he, this is a time when when Loki pulled a prank, cut Lady Sif's hair. She was not happy about it. So she physically harms him, punch across the face, two punches across the face, a knee to the groin, uh, and, and then she verbally lambasts him as well by telling him that he is alone and he always will be. And, and to have that on loop over and over again, uh, that's going to that's gonna cause our boy to do some thinking, I, I would imagine. And uh, we, we do get some, to some Loki self-analysis. We'll have to play that. We will play that down in a little, bit, little bitty bit. But I thought that was an interesting way. Uh, so nice to see Lady Sif back, right? They bring back Jamie Alexander uh, back in the role of Lady Sif. I don't think we've seen her. I want to say the last time we saw her as Lady Sif might have been an episode of Agents of the S.H.I.E.L.D. And not even, not even Thor 2. She was in Thor 2, uh, but she, I don't think she's been in any of the films since. Maybe had a... Yeah, I don't think so. Maybe he had a tiny cameo at the at the end of Guardians when they're dropping off one of the uh, one of the uh, one of the uh, when they're dropping off the ether for the collector. Excuse me for misspeaking there. I want to say she was in that scene, but I could be mistaken. So, uh, but it's been a long time since we saw Jamie Alexander as Sif, and and uh, while uh, you know, I it's always cool to see these characters back, and and and. You know, I don't want to say like we've missed Lady Sif in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but we've kind of missed Lady Sif in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So to have her back, even in this fun kind of cameo way, uh, is a start. And and maybe we can get Lady Sif back. Maybe Lady Sif has a role in Thor: uh, Love and Thunder. You know, maybe maybe that's going on too. I don't know for sure. I I I'll have to check on uh, on uh, Jamie Alexander's uh, IMDb page and see if she's got any any upcoming credits. So you know, Marvel's pretty good at keeping secrets. So who knows? But it. it I would not be mad to see her come back and, and do some more stuff as Sif. That'd be a lot, a lot of fun. I'd be into that. So that's the time loop that Loki's stuck in. It's going to kind of force him to confront some things about himself. That should be very, very interesting. Now, what is is uh, what I wanted to mention also before Mobius puts him into that time loop is that Loki makes another attempt to to uh, be honest, tell him something, tell Mobius something uh, of of honest merit to convince him that like they 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 have the same goals now like he and he says the TVA is lying to you and it's not enough Mobius doesn't buy it and shoves him into that time loop uh, but I think it, it's an I think it's just enough to kind of begin to plant those seeds of doubt in Mobius's mind and and you know not all the way just to kind of get him in there just a tiny little bit but because we see that inquisitive nature of Mobius and and you know he goes back to Renslayer and they have another conversation he wants to know why he couldn't see. He wants to. He wants to uh, interview 
you know, Sylvie, the 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 female variant, the other Loki variant, and Renslayer won't allow it. And and he's he's starting to wonder why. He's starting to ask questions. He doesn't understand why he can't do his job. Why he's being kind of cut off at the knees in in a sense. And yeah, it, it's it, again these are more things that that kind of be, make Mobius begin to question the TVA. And, and what he's doing there. Not not full-blown, not overtly, not yet. But it's just it's just enough. He's just kind of getting needled a little bit. It's like sort of like a death by a thousand paper cut sort of scenario here where, you know, enough things are, are beginning to like maybe raise the hair on the back of his neck. Like something's not quite right here, and I don't know what it is. So one of the next things I wanted to play, one of the next little clips I wanted to play, is after Mobius leaves Renslayer's chambers, uh, she's he's going to walk by Sylvie's room, which is a... Uh, interrogation Theater 47, which has a, has a connection to a Loki comic book uh, from What If. And that is an issue of What If, where Loki has Mjolnir, has, he's deemed worthy, has the power of Thor, which might come into, into play later on in this episode. We will talk about that. You'll see where I'm going with that. Uh, but I want to play the bit here where Mobius and B-15 are chatting. And again, we see B-15 in a way that we have not seen her in the prior episodes. And it's, yeah, and, and some interesting things are said here. So let's check this out. They don't go gently, do they? Aren't you supposed to be interrogating your variant pet? Just stretching my legs. You know, we're brought in Kree, Titans, vampires. Why is it the two orphan demigods are such a pain in the ass? And Pause it right there real quick. Vampires. Ooh. Is that how we? Is that how we get to the blade? Is that how we get to, like, Morbius and and the Tomb of Dracula? Probably not the Tomb of Dracula, but vampires in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Is that a thing? Is that something we're gonna do? Maybe, maybe, maybe. And now I'm seeing it here in the background. It is Time Theater 47? Again, a callback, potentially a callback to What If number 47, where Loki has the power of Thor. He has been deemed worthy and wields Mjolnir. Pretty awesome. Now let me play the rest of this clip here from B15. And yet it was your idea to bring in another one. I'm happy to share credit for that idea. Mobius? Here you go. Did Loki say anything while you were in there? Yeah. So the TVA's lying to me. Why? Just doing my job. Boom. Seeds. And I think Mobius sees it too. I think Mobius sees it as well. And so that that's all like really fun. Again, this episode is all about kind of tearing apart what they set up in those first episodes about what we are told the TVA is and what the TVA actually is. And what it actually is is it appears to be a complete sham, <laughs> fraud, absurd, as Loki might have said in the first episode. This is absurd, and and I think. He might be onto something at this point in the in the series. Uh, I, I want to go back and I want to play a little bit of of Loki's self analysis while he's in the time loop with Lady Sif. So let me get that queued up for you. Please, I beg you. I, I'm a horrible person. I get it. I really am. I can't feel hair because I thought it'd be funny, and it's not. I crave attention. Because I'm, I'm a, I'm a narcissist. And I suppose it's, it's because 
I'm scared of being alone. Okay, so what we're going to do next is... Uh, or, or <laughs> Not what we're going to do next, because we didn't make the show. But what happens next is Loki and Mobius get back together. Mobius comes to pull him out. Time for the interview. He's hoping Loki's softened up. And he's going to get some answers. He wants to know about about the Nexus event, ne- about the Nexus spike, how it happened, what did they do, you know, and, and what's the plan here, what's going on. And early in the episode, Mobius uh, uh, is very effuse when he says effusive when he says to Renslayer, he doesn't see a mastermind here, and if there is one, it's definitely not Loki. Uh, but it's it's at this point where Loki seems to try and claim that he is. He claims that Sylvie came to him, and they hatched this plan. And Mobius seems to kind of go along with it, mostly because it feels like this is what Renslayer has been pushing him towards. Is like, here's the information. He's finally telling us what we want to hear. So let's just believe him. But you kind of see some of the some of the doubt, some of the hesitation on on his part. And it isn't until uh, uh, as a as a tactic, Mobius tells Loki that he has pruned Sylvia. Sylvia, that Sylvia, she's been pruned from the timeline. She is gone, dead, done. It's over. And then Mobius does what he does best. He observes Loki, and he observes his reaction to that news, and the way she, he, the way that Loki tries to sort of casually dismiss that news, and the way that Loki attempts to uh, make it sound like it's not a big deal and be very casual about about her passing. And it's uh, it leads to another really interesting conversation, another another bit of dialogue, another bit of insight from from Mobius e Mobius to Loki. And I want to play a little bit for that of that for you now. Check it out. <laughs> so funny. You're, it's like, look at your eyes. You like her. What? You like her. Does she like you? But she pruned. I mean, no wonder you have no clue what caused the Nexus event on Lamentus. Both of you are just swooning over Mobius. each other, I guess. Tell it's me the, the truth. Apocalypse. Two variants of the same being, especially you, forming this kind of sick, twisted, romantic relationship. That's pure chaos. That could break reality. It's breaking my reality right now. And this is where I want to pause it. And I asked this question to my brother last week. And he said that is not what he thought was happening. And I wanted to mention that because I thought I saw something like that going on. Clearly, everyone else sees that as going on. <laughs> and I think Owen's, uh, or Mobius's, uh, 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 perceptions on this are right. This is a little weird. It's a little creepy. And... You know, I do wonder if this is a one-way thing. This, this is how our Loki feels about this Loki, but it's not reciprocated, uh, because because we talk, we know Sylvie's backstory now. We know the kind of time she grew up with. I would I would imagine that leads her to have some trust issues. She's probably never really had any one person she can trust because she's had to move around so much and hide from the the TVA at every turn. So how could she have a trust of of this Loki when she knows that she is? the goddess of mischief herself. So uh, it, it, it presents an interesting dynamic, uh, but it plays this theme of, of our Lokis, of Tom Hiddleston's um, infatuation uh, with the, the variant, the other, the Sylvie variant, uh, is central to the, the emotional core here. Uh, especially when we get to the climax, when we get to the, the, the end of this episode, uh, his feelings come to the surface, and he's going to attempt to talk about that with Sylvie, who, again, seems unprepared for that conversation, which I thought was interesting. And, and, and I don't know, how do you all think? Do you, are, are you processing this the same way? Do we, are we like Owen? Are we freaking out? Let's hear the rest of this. What an incredible seismic narcissist. 
You fell for yourself. Her name was Sylvie. Oh, Sylvie. Lovely. How do you spell that? Is that with an I-E or just an I? Is she alive? <laughs> for now. Boom. All right, we'll stop it right there. But yeah, interesting stuff. And there's more interesting stuff coming up here in the next moment. I'm going to cue that up for you right now. Actually, I'll tell you what, we're in the same scene, really. I just I just skipped a couple seconds ahead because uh, this is an interesting part. Again, these are those seeds of doubt. Loki actually being honest with Mobius here, and he has to sort of process that. We've, we know that Mobius is good thus far at knowing when Loki's lying to him. So let's go ahead and play this out. Our interests are aligned. Overthrowing the timekeepers. Maybe they need to be overthrown. I had to box your ears. Mobius, listen. If what Sylvie told me about this place is true, it affects all of us. Oh, here we go. Now, you, you've already told me about 50 lies in the past 10 minutes. I'm and not lying this I'm time. Supposed to believe I'm not your lying. Terrorist I'm telling you girlfriend. the truth. She's not my girlfriend. Whatever you want to call her. Your, your female self that you have some demented crush on. You're all variants. There it is. Everyone who works at the TVA. The timekeepers didn't create you. They kidnapped you from the timeline and erased your memories. Memories she can access through enchantment. So before this, you had a past. Maybe you had a family. A life. All right, now I want to play the little last tiny clip from that scene, too, because I do like Owen's reaction. He sort of, he sort of seems to be believing it for a second, but uh, this is when, again, again, another great moment between these characters is coming up here, and, and I love it so much. So good. Nice try. That was good. You two, what a pair. Gosh, unbelievable. Wherever you go, it's just death, destruction, the literal ends of worlds. Well, I'm going to have to close this case now because I don't need you anymore. Yeah, or as you might say, our interests are no longer aligned. And I also should pause it right here too because I did, I did skip over a part at the beginning where we talked, where, you know, we talked about it already. Mobius had genuinely hurt feelings. Uh, he believed that he and Loki were friends, and then Loki betrayed him. And they do address that as this opening scene is beginning. So, uh, Mobius also coming from a place of emotion as he's listening to Loki actually be honest with him. And the doubt and the hurt feelings are sort of in conflict with each other here. So it takes Mobius a little time. He has to process that, kind of get his emotions out of the way. But, again, really strong stuff. And I love how this scene closes out here, because this is really good. Mobius has called in the Minutemen, the, the, the time agents. They're going to put him back in the time loop with Lady Sif. And uh, he's not happy you about know, that. You all the liars in this place, and there are a great many. You're the biggest. Why, because I lied about your girlfriend? Oh no, that I can respect. I mean the lies you tell yourself. Boom. And that gets Mobius' attention. All right, and then this is when we cut back to B-15. Again, questioning everything. She's starting to see through the lies of the Time Variance Authority. And she's going to have, she's going to take Sylvie over to Rock's cart and they're going to have a little chat. And Sylvie is going to enchant her mind once again and allow her to see the memories that have been uh, blocked or erased from, or by the timekeepers, by the TVA itself. And again, this is what shakes B-15 to her core. And, and, Again, this episode is just tearing down everything we thought we knew from episode one. And and is that not the ultimate uh, 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 Loki maneuver, right? 
the god of chaos, just his presence here, just him investigating these things, the 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 the, the chaos that he is he has manifested, the mischief he has brought about. He, these two Lokis together are going to bring down this time variance authority. Now we don't know the whole story, but the the implication is that they are, you know, spanning the entire timeline. They are all powerful in so many ways, and these two Lokis are stirring the seeds of doubt like they have never been stirred before. And and it's the the TVA is going to be tearing itself apart by the end of this episode. And I love it so much, and I love the sequence where 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 uh, Sylvie has enchanted. B15 to show her her memories and we don't go into the memories we don't see the flashback but the acting being done the emotion on B15's face as she's reliving these these experiences is so powerful and so strong just a wonderful performance and and I, I love it dearly it's it's just uh, I'm always impressed when you can do acting with so little help you know, it'd be easy if we went back into into her mind, if we went back into the memory to see whatever it is she's seen, whether it is the, you know, with a family or with a loved one or, or just some kind of super unique experience. Uh, but instead, we're watching it on on the actor's face. And to me, that adds another level of, of powerfulness to it. And, and I really... I'm really impressed. It's it's uh, Wunmi Musaku is B15. I hope I said her name correctly. You may remember I, I mentioned a show uh, back in the fall, back maybe it was last summer even, uh, Lovecraft Country, and she was on that series, and she was fantastic. She was one of my favorite characters on that series. Uh, and thus far, you know, through the, through these first three episodes, actually the first two really, because she wasn't even in episode three, uh, uh, Wunmi didn't have much to do, and and in this episode, uh, she does so much. But not necessarily through her direct actions, but just by 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 feeling and and, and just having these these emotions come flooding into her, uh, just just really well done sequence here. And they break it up a little bit. They 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 slice some stuff in back and forth here, uh, because we also have Renslayer and Mobius drinking, where now Mobius is beginning to doubt, and he's going to steal her Timpad, and uh, that's where he's going to start to get the truth about what happened to Agency Twenty. And the things she was saying, and she was saying them to Renslayer, and it was you know Renslayer is the one who who had to terminate her because she was speaking the truth. She remembers being on the timeline, living a life in the sacred timeline, and that could not be allowed to spread. So now Renslayer is in this sort of uh, uh, cleanup mode. She has to cut off everything, everyone who's been affected by the chaos that the Lokis are spinning. Just by being there, this is not like an overt thing necessarily. Like they're they're not waving chaos magic around or doing mischief. They're there to do like our Loki is there to do the job they brought him there to do. But he's uncovering the truths that that Sylvie has been uncovering, and now it's all being exposed and brought to the forefront. And it's so fantastic and it's so on brand for Loki that I love it so much. So at this point, Mobius has enough evidence to go on that he's going to go back to Loki, and it's time for another great chat between uh, between our favorites. Uh, Mobius, Mobius, and Loki, aka Owen Wilson and Tom Henderson. Let's check this one out. It's super good too, and uh, it leads to something way dramatic. What are you doing? Passing the time. You care about this variant, Sylvie? I'm not sure if care is the right Shut word. Up. I think we've covered this back Shut in. Shut up! Do you really think you deserve to be alone, Loki? 
You told me to shut up. Do you really believe <laughs> you deserve to be alone? I don't know. Then you better figure it out quick, because the Nexus event the two of you cause, I think whatever that connection is, can bring this whole place down. So we better understand. We? Do you swear she didn't implant those memories in Hunter C-20? Mobius, no. I believe her. So I just have to trust the word of two Lokis? How about the word of a friend? Oh, God, it's so good. It's so good. Loki making up with the Mobius. I love it. I love their bromance. It's my one of my favorite things on the show. Of so many favorite things on the show. All right, let's let's get back to it. You were right about the TVA. You were right from the beginning. And if you want to save her, you need to trust me. Can we do that? Yes. Okay. You can be whoever. Whatever you want to be, even someone good. I mean, just in case anyone ever told you different. The smile that Loki has on his face right there is so damn good and so totally worth everything. And, of course, this is when we get to... We come back through the door and Renslayer and a bunch of agents are waiting and they are not, not happy. My... Yeah, I got all the way down there before I even realized I picked up yours. What's going on? What's the problem, Ravona? Hard decisions. But Movies knows the gig is up. You know where I go, if I could go anywhere. Wherever it is I'm really from. And wherever I had a life before the TVA came along. Maybe I had a jet ski. That's what I'd like to do. Just ride around on my jet ski. Prune him. Nope. <laughs> All right, there it is. That's the end of Mobius E. Mobius. Or is it? Uh, but the genuine look of, of, of shock and, and, and I, I, sadness, I think, on Loki's face there. Uh, really, really well done, Tom Hiddleston, with all the great emotion, and and this is where we just the show just catapults at this point because Renslayer's ring, rounding up the Lokis. It's time to bring this all to a head, and she's gonna take them before the Timekeepers, and they're gonna end this once and for all. It's time for some pruning, and ooh, big things are going on here. But there's an interesting bit of dialogue here in the elevator between between Sylvie. And Renslayer, the agent who brought her in as a child to the Time Variance Authority, with the full intention of preening her as a child. So I want to play a little bit of that for you because, uh, yeah, it shows you, it shows you a different level of, of 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 emotion. Like Sylvie, obviously, still very hurt and driven by what happened, and Renslayer's attitude about it is just so very different and so very cold. So let's check it out. It's very quiet first. Do you remember me? I do. What do you want to say to me, Varian? What was my Nexus event? Why did you bring me in? What does it matter? It was enough to take my life from me and lead to all of this. It must have been important. So what was it? 
I don't remember. Now, I don't believe her for a second. I think she just totally says that to to irritate and frustrate Sylvie uh, because now she has the upper hand. They're going before the Time Masters, Timekeepers, excuse me, and they're bo- both Lokis are about to be pruned and put out of out of, out of Renslayer's misery at this point uh, because, again, she's sort of on damage control at this point. She's pruning people left and right in order to keep the secrets of the TVA from getting out. From, from all these agents realizing that they are, in fact, variants who have been abducted from various points in the timeline to serve the TVA. Uh, and, ooh, that's going to be so fun to explore later on. All right, so here we go. Uh, Ravona Renslayer presenting the Lokis before the Timekeepers, and now we get to see them in all their, their glory. As promised, the variants. After all your struggles, at last, you've arrived before us. What do you have to say for yourself? All right, I wanted to pause it. I wanted to play a little bit of the Timekeepers because this is our first time really seeing them as they're being presented to us. And I think at this point, we are all on the same page with our assumption that the Timekeepers are uh, a, a sham. They're a fraud, that we are being deceived and uh, this scene, I you know, I wanted, I'm, I'm very curious to see uh, interviews and, and, and chat about this. You know, if any of the creators come out and talk about this, uh, whether it was done intentionally or not. This, I'm watching this this scene, and and again, I don't know exactly what's going to happen yet, but I'm on the on the page with with a lot of people that like the timekeepers are a scam. It's a whole thing. They're being conned, and you know. All, all that, all that jazz, right? So I'm watching the timekeepers and the way they move, and it has this sort of like Disneyland, uh, you know, animatronic sort of thing going on. It sort of reminds me of like the Country Bears ride at Disneyland, the way that these timekeepers sort of move, and and I couldn't help but think that as I'm watching, it's like, oh, they look like animatronic bears, or like if you go see that, you, you know, Presidents of the United States show at, at Disneyland too any of that animatronic stuff. Like, it kind of has, like, that movement to it, that sort of aesthetic to it when you watch it. And I, the more I thought of, you know, obviously on my subsequent rewatches of the scene, uh, I, I see it more and more now. So I'm, I'm very curious if that was an intentional uh, choice of the, of, the, of, the, of the filmmakers, of the special effects people, to make it have, like, that, like, well, this is, this is what it is. I mean, it's a whole, it's a, it's a smoke and mirrors sort of show, and that's what we got here. And, yeah. It's this. This leads to uh, a great moment for the episode. It sounds like. Let's just go ahead and check it out. Let's just go ahead and check it out. There are times I've been killed, so go ahead, do your worst. Oh no, I don't think you believe that. I think. All right, she's got the time collar on, so she can't move. I think you're scared. No, Variant. You're nothing but a cosmic disappointment. Delete them. No, I'm not done with you yet. Uh oh. Now the remote's not working. What's going on? B15 arrives. Bless the collars off. For all time. Always. And the sword goes right to Sylvie. And then Mortal Kombat ensues. B-15 knocked down. We don't see a death blow. So we, we, we hope that B-15 is going to be around for the final fight. Uh, but this leads into a great action sequence. I love this so much. The, the, the 
just the determination on Sylvie's face to be here before the timekeepers, to get this audience that she's wanted, to upset the balance of the TVA. And now she has a person in B-15 who, who believed her, who came to her aid, and is now going to help her bring them down. And then obviously our Loki, Tom Hiddleston, uh, getting physical in a way that we've yet, we, haven't, we haven't seen him do, and, and holding his own quite well. I think he may have picked up a few things from Sylvie after their fisticuffs in the last episode. So great action sequence right here. I loved it so much. Sylvie and Loki able to dispatch many of the timekeepers. Uh, a great sequence between Sylvie and Ravana Renslayer as they go at it with the one in the in the in the in the in the oh I forgot the name of the power staffs. Um, but they go back and forth. Everyone's rendered unconscious, and then it's time to talk to Mad Smack to the to the to the timekeepers once again. And uh, that is when the reveal comes in that as she throws the sword and decapitates one of the timekeepers, and you hear like, this kind of crude, creepy laughing and this herky-jerky motion of the other two timekeepers, that the head rolls down, it's picked up, and we find out, yes, in fact, it is a robot. And they have been lied to the entire time. The timekeepers are, in fact, a scam, a sham, uh, uh, a, a misdirect of, of galactic time-spanning proportions. And uh, to say that, that Sylvie is shocked by this is 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 more maybe even more disappointed than shocked uh because this was the moment she had been waiting for and i think this sort of is is confirmation or affirmation to our loki to tom hiddleston because he never believed these these you know these time traveling or these time these time keeping space lizards were, were were real to begin with so uh for him i think it's it's sort of confirmation that he was right all along uh but this bitter disappointment to to sylvie um, that she can't have that confrontation. She can't understand why she was pruned, why her timeline was reset. And and that seems to be the thing that she wants the most is to understand to know why she wasn't allowed to live. And and so for her, it, it, uh, it's, it's painful. But Loki's going to swoop in there. He's going to have this... He has time to have a conversation with, with her. He's going to talk to her. It's time to get personal. It's time to get into the feelings. All right, so here we go. Let's go check that this this closing climactic moment. We will figure this out. How do you know that? Because, uh, we're back on Lamentis. This is new for me. It's really cute the um, way you can't find the words. What? And there it is, Loki being pruned by Renslayer herself. And I just eyes locked on Sylvie as he's going. And it's a very quick exchange as Loki's pruned out of, out of the timeline, out of the TVA, out of existence, that uh, she's able to disarm Renslayer. And Renslayer begs her to be killed, almost. Almost begs. It's like, just do it. Get it over with. It seems like Ravana Renslayer has this terrible burden of knowing that their timekeepers and the TVA are a sham. And she sort of wants it to be over, uh, which I think is interesting. And I hope they explore that more fully in next week's show. But that's where the episode ends. That is where the episode ends. And you're just like, your heart's in your throat. You've watched Mobius and Mobius get pruned. You've just watched Loki, our Loki, Tom Hiddleston get pruned. And you're thinking to yourself, oh my God, is this show now about Loki? Female Loki? Is that, have we just done a shift? Did we just watch... 
the end of Tom Hiddleston once again as Loki? Not so fast, my friends. Not so fast. This is hell. Am I dead? Not yet. Listen to the music. But you will be, unless you come with us. There they stand. The Lokis! Everyone's favorite folk band, the Lokis, reunited in another dimension, another place, another time. And it's glorious. It is glorious. Behold, the glorious purpose of Loki. Richard E. Grant, decked out in the most extravagant Silver Age-style Loki costume I have ever seen. The, the, the icon, the iconic horned helmet of Loki from the 60s, straight out of Journey into Mystery. And we're joined by Kid Loki from Journey into Mystery in 2011. And we also have what would appear to be another Loki who has been deemed worthy, because he has himself a rad little hammer. A rad little hammer. Sort of like that What If comic book we talked about a little while ago in What If 47. Hmm, interesting. I'm intrigued by this. And then also, apparently, there's a little Loki crocodile. Now, I have been checking on this, and I cannot 100% verify that's actually from the comics. But I can't say that it's not either. So, I just love the fact that we have Kid Loki holding a crocodile Loki who has a little helmet on. (laughs) And again, Richard E. Grant. This guy's incredible. This guy, (laughs) Richard E. Grant, showing up in Marvel. I'm so excited about this. If you're not a fan of Richard E. Grant's movies... I mean, come on, just start with the warlock and work your way up. The man's incredible, and he's, wear, again, wearing the most uh, uh, iconic Silver Age costume of Loki's I've ever seen. It's so good. He looks like, he looks like a cosplayer. It's, it's glorious. I love it so, so much. <laughs> and, and that is the real ending of Loki Episode Four: The Nexus Event. Holy smokes, can you believe it? Get ready for all the fun we're going to have next week. Can you? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. And where are they? What's going on there? You know, uh, is that is that Avengers Tower in the background behind them? Is this a destroyed New York City uh, in an alternate timeline, in an alternate dimension, alternate reality? And why are all these Lokis there? Are the other are other prune people there, too? Are we going to find Mobius E. Mobius there as well? And everyone's going to team up and be super friends? Oh, don't get me started. But right now, we're going to have the Legion of Lokis. In the next episode, and I can't wait to see how many more variations of Loki we're going to get. Remember, we got we got those uh, glimpses of, of some in episode two. You know, there's the Hulk Loki and the Frost Giant Loki, and all these other Lokis. And now we're getting some of the most famous Lokis of all. Again, Silver Age Loki, the Kid Loki from or the early uh, early, I think it was 2011 was when when Journey in the Mystery did that. That run was phenomenal. Check that out if you get a chance. Uh, and I'm so excited. I'm so excited about what's happening here. And and a quick callback too to to right before you know as Loki is being pruned by Ravana Renslayer, uh, uh, you I'm sure everyone caught it. But how how much does that scene does that play out just like the way Loki kills Coulson in Avengers? Who full circle, full circle on that one. What a great callback that was as well. Holy smokes, man! This episode's incredible. I don't know. Woo woo. I loved it. I loved it. This was a 10 out of 10 out of 10 out of 10. This episode had me from 
the start to finish. I loved everything about it. I loved the way the emotion was out there, the way that these seeds of doubt were being planted in the TVA agents. I loved the high stakes. I loved the revelation about the timekeepers. The whole thing, I thought this was a masterful episode. This was fantastic. And we still have two to go. We still have two to go, and they just, they've, re- they've recreated the show four episodes in. We have an entirely new show we're going to be watching next week. It's going to be incredible. I cannot wait for it. I'm, I'm so beyond excited about it. Ooh, but now we have, to, we have to focus on some other questions to ask. I know I'm running long. For a one-person show, I've gone about 45 minutes longer than I thought I was going to. Holy smokes. But we have to ask the question, who is it that's behind the timekeepers? Who is it that's behind the TVA? And, you know, we have lots and lots of theories on this. And, and you, know, you know, I guess I'm curious, what does everyone want to see? What does everyone want out of this? And, you know, obviously Kang is the big believed villain, right? Everyone wants to see Kang revealed to be the agent behind the TVA and the one who has to who's going to come forth from the shadows to be revealed as the villain. And it certainly makes a ton of sense, you know. Um, um, you know, he's been cast. We know that he's going to be in in the uh, up, 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 in, in the new Ant-Man movie in, uh, I think it's called Quantumania, right? Is that the one I'm thinking of? And it's going to be exciting. Like, like trust me, we're, we're all getting ready for it. It's, we, we cannot wait to see what Kang has happened. Now, I don't, I don't doubt that Kang will have his fingerprints on this. And again, uh, Kang will be played by Jonathan Majors in the, in the film. So again, we're really, really looking forward to that. But what I'm sort of curious about, what I'd like to sort of hypothesize with you guys is there's two things I want to talk about. All right, so we talked about it with Mark, I think, when we did episode two, and we were kind of sort of discussing some of the TVA options. And I think one of us had mentioned something like, oh, maybe it's like a Wizard of Oz, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain sort of scenario. Uh, If that were to pan out, we might be introduced to a character named He Who Remains. It's sort of like this sad, old, like sort of infinite being who is left to shoulder the burden of of guarding reality and destiny. And and again, he was part of the... He's part of the comic history of the Time Variance Authority. Uh, And, and... Listen, if they go that route, I'm not going to be mad about it because it's a really neat callback to some old, early Marvel Marvel stuff. And I'm not I'm not mad at that. So if they go that route, be prepared for it. It's an option, right? It may We may not get Kang, okay? We may not get Kang. We may get more of like the man behind the curtain sort of scenario here. I want to keep that... I want everyone to keep that in mind as a possibility. Don't get your hopes up on Kang, just like we all got our hopes up about, about Mephisto... In WandaVision, do you want that disappointment again? Do you wanna do you wanna go on Reddit and read about people being pissed off that Mephisto didn't show up in WandaVision again? I don't. So let's not let's not get hopes up too high for Kang. Let's allow ourselves the possibility that it'll be something a little less grandeur, grandeur, grand, a little less grand. We'll go with grand. Grandeur is different. That's a different word. A little less grand than the big reveal of Kang and Jonathan Majors making his first appearance as the 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 you know, time-conquering villain known as Kang the Conqueror. While it's a great possibility, and I would not be mad if Kang showing up as well, that'd be great. That would be a lot of fun. I had one other idea I wanted to entertain, I wanted to share with everybody. And again, I don't claim to be the sole person who has ever thought of this idea. 
I don't spend enough time on the internet to know how many other people maybe have bought into this idea, this theory. But if you're buying into the idea of Kang, if you're buying into the, the whole thing, because Jonathan Majors cast as Kang, we know Kang is coming, why not explore the notion that the real villain behind this is in fact Immortus? Who is Immortus, you might be asking. If you're a comic fan, of Marvel, diehard Marvel fan, you might know who Immortus is. But if you don't, let me, let me kind of just boil it down into the simplest way I can. Because Kang and Immortus can get kind of complicated. I mean, these are characters that have been around for 60 years. And, and so they have, there's a lot going on there. There's a lot of history, a lot of back and forth. And, and, and you'll see why in a minute. Because they are, in fact, the same person. Bum, bum, bum. Yes, Immortus is Kang further into Kang's timeline. At a certain point, Kang has become bored of, of conquering, of winning, of being victorious. Kong, uh, Kong, Kang, it's funny, I was thinking about this earlier today. You know, you know how Thanos in, in Infinity War and in, in, uh, in, in uh, Endgame has the line, I am inevitable. Kang is the true inevitability. I mean, this is... This is how the universe goes. Kang will always... In the end, Kang will win. It doesn't matter how much the Avengers defeat him now in our timeline or how much he's defeated by the Fantastic Four or whoever in our timeline. Kang will ultimately win. That's just the, that's just the scenario. These are just, when, he's, when, he's, when he's battling the Avengers and the FF and whoever else in our time, that's just prep. That's like him getting his, his, uh, his practice swings in so that when he... You know, further into his timeline, further into his life, when he goes up against people, he's got no one he can't beat. <laughs> so, at a certain point, he gets bored, and he cuts a deal to become Immortus, another character uh, that is all powerful, all knowing, and uh, again, the same character. He is the future self of Kang the Conqueror. Uh, so, yeah, he uh, he. He gets this power from the TVA in the comic books as well. So there's a connection there. So why not explore the possibility that further down the timeline, Immortus, in an effort to preserve his own timeline, that his own timeline is in fact the sacred timeline. And everything that is being pruned out is something that can cause him to not be Kane the Conqueror, to not become Immortus. So that is why it must be eliminated and removed from the timeline. That is why also when Ravonna Renslayer in the first episode says that the Avengers were supposed to go back in time, that might have been a key moment in the timeline to bring forth Kang and then Immortus. So I think there's a lot of, a lot of possibilities here that we could get something Kang adjacent. And don't get me wrong, Immortus is a badass. Like he's he is a handful for anyone to to fight and to con and to and try to battle with, and one of the reasons why I wanted to to bring up Immortus is because after seeing the Timekeepers in this episode, their helmets very much remind me of Immortus's helmet from the comics. So I sort of I sort of started going down with that rabbit hole a little bit. I was like, you know what? What if it's actually just Immortus, and we're sort of being 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 uh, uh, again a little bit of a red herring here with all the Kang belief, and we're all buying into it because we're like. Yeah, they cast Kang. He's gonna be an Ant Man. He shows up in this, and he gets his toe out there in the water. The way, it's sort of like the way Thanos cameoed at the end of Avengers. I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. I, 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 it could happen. It could not. 
I'm just excited that it's a complete possibility. And yeah, I don't know what else to say about it other than this show is incredible and I love it so, so much. So <laughs> yeah, I want that to be considered. I want everyone to think about that. I want us to not be disappointed if we don't get Kang the Conqueror, if we only get, you know, again, it could be the man behind the curtain. It could be something different. So what do you think about that, Loki? What do you think? Oh, my. That would be mysterious, would it not? So mysterious, indeed. <laughs> all right, enough of that. <laughs> all right, so I think I've, I've shared all my all my thoughts about the sacred timeline from this episode, my thoughts about Kang, my thoughts about Immortus, and he who remains. So yeah, I again, it, it sort of would suit Immortus or Kang to have this sacred timeline be their timeline, the one that brings them the power, brings them the ultimate victory. So that's what I want to see explored in the coming weeks, in, in these, uh, these final two episodes as we get ready to, to wrap up what has been a really, really great season of the show. All right, like I said, this is 10 out of 10. I loved it so, so much. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sticking around for an hour of, of one person talking about one episode of one show. <laughs> I wouldn't be here without you all. You are all the best. You are the most dedicated listeners I could possibly have, and I thank you all so, so very, very much. My name is Tom. This is the TomCast Podcast. Please be sure you're following us on social media at TomCast Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Email the show, TomCastPodcast at gmail.com. We are on your, all your favorite podcasting platforms. Make sure you're liking, subscribing, and sharing the show with all your friends, family, loved ones, enemies, and people you are in blood feuds with. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Pandora, Audible, Amazon, and so many, many more. If you're on Apple Podcasts and you can write us a five-star review, we appreciate that beyond words. You would go so deep into the timeline to defeat the algorithm that, I mean, you would be invincible. Invincible. If you'd like to become an official member of Poppin Nation, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash TomCastPopCast. You can join the nation and gain access to all the sweet bonus content. Thank you to our current patrons, the Aspen Hill Chody, the Batman of Bay Park, Jeff Nail. Jeff is co-hosting the Rainier, a great music podcast. Check them out. Thanks to Evil Circle, the evilest of all circles, the Squidmaster General, Mr. Brian Broussard, the New Jersey Devil, Mark Wegmer, Joker and Harley Quinn, our very own Joker and Harley Quinn, Brian and Krista, Pariah Brewing Company, right here in San Diego, California, and coming soon to Baltimore, Maryland. Get ready, Baltimore. Buckle up over there. And of course, the Beer Hop Brigadier General, Jesus Beer Hops. Thank you all so much for helping keep the lights on, keep this show improving, getting better and better. At least I hope it's getting better and better. And without your love and support, this show doesn't exist. All right, let's wrap it up. We're going to be back next week. Whether it's for Loki only or, or a news show or something else, listen, the TomCast podcast never sleeps because I never sleep and I'm very, very tired. So <laughs> it's a weird, precarious balance I must strike on a daily basis. I thank you all so much for listening once again. Let's get the heck out of here. You know what that means. Ciao, babes. So the Tribe drops its third straight on this trip, 6-1 to one to the Rangers. For the Indians, one run on, let's say, one hit. That's all we got. One goddamn hit. You can't say goddamn on the air. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. We're not gonna be fucking sunk this year. We're the Stanley Cup champions. Yeah! Woo! 
And I'm a big fan of your beer too.